What's going on, adventure? I'm going to move this so I don't uh, start a fire. Um, <laughs> how's everybody doing? I see that everybody woke up late and came to the second service. <laughs> no, for real. Uh, it is, it is a, a pleasure and honor to be with you. I'm, I'm super excited. I always get excited about sharing about Jesus. Uh, so if you've never heard me speak, I apologize if I speak quickly or if I, if I get too passionate or spit on somebody. Um, I don't do it on purpose. I do it because I'm passionate about Jesus because Jesus is passionate about us. Amen. So let's pray one more time this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you uh, that you have already gone before us. Holy Spirit, that you have set the table for us to receive from you today. God, I pray that I would just be a vessel and that I would decrease and you would increase today. Let your glory shine in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. You excited to be here? All right. Um, there's a lot of us that are tired. Anybody tired today? Obviously, we lost an hour of sleep. I hate that. Um, I like sleeping. Are there, any, are there any power nappers in the place? Anybody that likes to take a nap? My wife is over here. She's the queen of taking a... I don't understand, you people. Um, <laughs> for real. But because there's so much to do throughout the day. How do you take a 12-minute power nap? And how does that accomplish anything? My wife... She works at 4 a.m. and so whatever. Um, she always gives me a hard time for giving her a hard time. But I don't understand napping people. Um, anybody ever get so tired that they drive tired? That's me. I, I love driving tired. Take my shoes off, drink some Red Bull. We're good to go. Um, I actually have a funny story. Um, my, I was driving with my mom to Texas. That's a long drive if you've ever done it. Um, and I drove uh, from Sacramento straight through the wonderfully boring state of Arizona. Um, and we were, so I was driving, I don't know, 10, 11 hours straight. And so we're almost through the state of Arizona, somewhere in the middle, I have no idea. And I'm dozing. You know, you, you get to that point where you're tired and you're, you're one eye open, you know. And um, I have a confession. Um, I, I hate spiders. I, I hate them. Uh, I have, it was a phobia, now it's more of an anger and a resentment. When I get to heaven, we, me and God are going to have a conversation about spiders because um, that's, just, that's just me. I, why God, why did you make spiders? Anyways, so we're in Arizona. Um, I hate spiders. We're in Arizona, and when I'm driving, I'm tired, right? And so me and my mom, we're in a rental car. She's sleeping. She's like, let me drive. I'm like, no, I'm the man. I got this. And she's like, you're dumb. I'm going to sleep. Um, so we go, and I'm driving, and as I'm I'm just about to fall asleep behind the wheel. You ever been to that point? In a brand new rental car, this giant white spider starts rappelling down from the visor right into my sight, and I instantly wake up, and I freak out, and it drops onto my lap, and I get to hold this dance going. I'm not holding the wheel. I'm not pressing anything. There's no other cars around. There's like, we're just in the middle of the desert, and I start stomping. My mom thought I was praising the Lord, so she wakes up. And uh, so I'm like, I pull over, I'm like, forget this, I'm not driving anymore. I think that's God telling me that I need to stop. So um, I drive tired. All that to say, I drive tired. Um, yeah, I have a problem with uh, trying to do too much when I'm tired. Uh, insomnia is at an all-time high in our society today. Anybody ever, uh, can you admit to um, maybe 
you know, you're at work, you have that 3 p.m. meeting that you can barely make it through, you're falling asleep, dozing off, the boss is, okay, and you get home and you barely drag yourself to bed, and as soon as you hit the pillow, you're wide awake. I'm wide awake. Um, so, <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but that's, that's me. I struggle with insomnia. As soon as I hit the pillow, I, I, it doesn't matter how tired I was, I could solve all the problems of the world. I'm doing math equations. I'm doing physics problems. I'm just, sermons are popping into my head as soon as I try to lay down and sleep. So we have a problem. There's a lot of us that are, that are tired. We are some tired people. Why are we so tired? Well, me today, I, I have to admit, I, I went to my first ever uh, soccer game last night. Any soccer fans? Both of you, cool. Um, I'm, with, I'm with the rest of them. I don't understand soccer. I didn't grow up playing soccer. Uh, look at me. Come on. Uh, so I got invited to the Republic FC game last night, the opening night. There was, it wasn't even full. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's how Sacramento rolls or what, but I was rooting for them. I didn't understand it. All this stuff was going on. I was cheering. My problem with soccer, here's my biggest problem with soccer. One is that there's too much running. Okay. Two, after 90 minutes and then four extra minutes of time that's not even kept anywhere, there's just, I'm like, where's the clock? There is no clock for the extra four minutes. 94 minutes goes by. They're playing the middle of the game. The whistle blows. People start shaking hands. And then the fans get up and leave. And I'm like, did I miss something? What's going on? It's one to one. How are we okay with this? It's seriously, it was one-to-one, -one and I look at my wife, I was like, is that it? Is that it? What, what just happened? This first ever soccer game. I have no idea. I'm clueless. It's the ultimate millennial sport, right? <laughs> Where you could just end in a tie and everybody's okay with that. <laughs> what is this? First of all, let's put some points up and then let's, like, win. You know, there's no winning. I don't, I don't get it. Anyways, that's why I'm tired today. Soccer. Um... But there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons that we're, that we're tired. There's, there's strife in our culture. The, the pace of life often gets so, so fast that we can't keep up with it. Maybe some of us are struggling with our diet and our exercise, and we get tired, all this stuff going on. Maybe you're a Kings fan like I am, and the cardiac Kings are killing you, keeping you up at night, and we can't win a game to make it to the playoffs. That's all I need is the Kings to just make it. It's been 13 years, and I just need them. <laughs> I pray for the kings. That's what keeps me up at night. I pray. I intercede for Marvin Bagley to get better. Anyways. But man, preach it. Okay. Amen. Um, but maybe one of the reasons that we're so tired in today's society is that we are in the midst of a battle. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you're going through life and a lot of us, I truly believe many Christians are in the middle of a battle that they have no idea that they're fighting. They're going through life and they're, and they're doing their thing and everything is good. Or maybe you're in the midst of a battle, your spiritual warfare, and we're talking spiritual warfare here, people. This isn't against your, 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 your wife. Hello? This isn't against your husband. It's not against your kids or the opposite political party like we learned last week. It's not that. It's spiritual, spiritual warfare. So many Christians are duped, I believe. I heard a missionary uh, say this. He was a missionary to the Congo for many years. He said that uh, the, the enemy, Satan, his tactic in third world countries is to make himself so real, seem so powerful and flex his muscles 
that the people there who are in poverty, they're, 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 they're struggling through life, those people have no other choice but to bow down to the enemy and to get involved in witchcraft and demon worship and spirit worship and all of those other things. They give in because he's so powerful. But that isn't the case here in America. You with me? Satan's plan, this, this missionary was telling me, he says Satan's plan in America and, and first world countries is to make himself seem so not real that Christians don't even know that they're in the middle of a battle. That we get duped and we get lied to thinking that everything is all good because we got money, we got jobs, we got career, we're, we're good. We got, we got things going on. We don't struggle like people over there do. But the thing that the enemy does to us is deceive us and make us believe that we're not fighting when in reality God has called us to put on the full armor of God. If we are Christians, God has called us to put on the full armor of God. So we need to be careful not to fall asleep in the middle of this battle. You with me? Let's not fall asleep in the middle of this battle thinking that everything is okay because you don't see warfare, because you don't see the things in the spirit the way that God sees things in the spirit. Don't get duped into believing that you're not in the middle of this thing. I believe that a lot of us are tired because we are fighting this thing that we don't even know that we're fighting. So let's keep that in in the back of our mind as we move forward. Let me give you some context to this. Imagine that you're a child Back in the day, you're growing up in Damascus or Jerusalem or Ephesus somewhere. You live in a small fishing village. And every, you know, once every couple of years, your family goes to a large community, maybe Jerusalem. You go to the, the, uh, the, the center, the urban center uh, for a festival or for trade. And for the first time as a kid, you see the Roman army. You see the Roman army. Anybody ever seen movies about the Roman army? The Roman army was crazy. This is a picture of the amount of territory at the height of the Roman arm, uh, Empire that they conquered. And um, tell them I said, what's up? Um, <laughs> but this is the red area. You see all through, through Spain and Portugal, all through Southern Europe, Italy, obviously, and then North Africa and in the Middle East. That's where uh, uh, the Roman army was able to conquer. And there are three reasons that they conquered. Is one, because they were so big. They were able to conquer tribalism. Uh, they, they were unified. They marched together in such a formation that they would intimidate people wherever they went. They marched in unity, and they were able to just simply intimidate people and not even have to fight battles, and they were advanced. They took all this weaponry, the most advanced weaponry in the world at that time, and they used it for their benefit, and that is how they were able to conquer so much. So let's Keeping that in mind, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 7 through 17. You with me today? You with me? Don't fall asleep on me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Sorry, verse 10. Put on the full armor of God. See, I love scripture. I see so many Christians that get bored with scripture. Come on now. This is like, this is good stuff right here. This is teaching us how to live every single day. I get, I get pumped. Sorry. Just, that's just me being me. Okay. Um, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day comes, when, not if, when the day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Today we're going to talk about the essential components of the armor of God, the first three things. The first one is the belt of truth. It fastens everything together. It holds everything together. I want to show you a picture of my man, JB. Not Justin Timberlake. I, I don't know what that was. I, not, not JB, not JT. I have so many issues with this picture. Not with Justin Bieber. He's everybody's favorite homeboy. That was a joke. <laughs> but there's several, several things that, like, from my observation, I can look at this picture. One, why are there so many empty seats? If JB is JB, what's going on here? Second of all, he has a platinum whistle. Like, he's a referee around his neck who wears a platinum whistle and then he's got like a full rabbit not a rabbit's foot a full rabbit and my my biggest issue with this picture is the sagging of the pants okay i don't understand what our society and our young men and young women now like this was huge in high school people wore their pants down to their knees and i never have understood it i don't get it it's not that i'm not cool i'm super cool right i get it I, but this I don't get. Like, this is crazy to me. The, the, the most disturbing thing about this is he's wearing a Louis Vuitton belt, and it has no functionality in this picture at all. I have a problem with the sagging of pants. If you get nothing else from this sermon today, pull up your pants. First service clap too. I don't understand. You clap for anything else. Pull up your pants. That's all, that's all they care about. I, <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I saw one time, and this is this true story. I saw one time a man sagging his pants so hard. I think that's what you call it. I saw boxer shorts. I saw a thigh. And then I saw pants. If there is skin between your underwear and your pants, there's a problem here. You need to pull them up. That's an issue for me. For multiple reasons. We're about to, you're about to get put on a list somewhere for that, okay? Pull your pants up. Don't hang out around schools like that. That's, anyways, pull your pants up. <laughs> I like to be practical, okay? The, the most important thing you can learn today is pull, wear, you know, a belt, okay? There is a purpose to the belt. In Roman times, they uh, would fasten strips of leather, heavy strips of leather over the Roman belt and it would protect the upper legs, the upper thighs, and the groin area of the soldiers. That, and it held, literally held everything together. Uh, the Matthew Henry commentary says the belt girds on or secures all the other pieces of the armor. Truth should cleave to us as a belt cleaves to our bodies. The truth counters the enemy's weapon of deception. I want you to know today... Everything that Satan says is a lie. Everything the enemy has ever told you, everything the enemy has ever said is a lie. How do we know this? Jesus says it in John 8, He says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native tongue, just like you and I speak English, for he is a liar and the father of lies. God's word is truth and it is trustworthy. Amen? God's word is truth. And it is trustworthy. Should rational people believe that the Bible is true? We're talking about historical documents. The Bible 
uh, as a historical document, there's a couple reasons why people should trust that it is true. One, the number of manuscripts that found throughout history and scattered all over the place that have been found in different locations at different times that could not correspond to each other. The number of them, the lack of variations in those documents, meaning they all say the same thing and they all have the same consistency, the consistency of doctrine in manuscripts and the credibility of the eyewitnesses and the impact on the individual's that read these documents. There is something about the word of God that is true. You with me? There is something about the word of God that is true. The word of God, the Bible, it's not just a nice story. It's not just something we open to get inspiration for the day. This is truth. This right here is true. From eternity to eternity, it is God's word and it is truth. And the application of that truth is what holds the Christian life together. You with me? The application of the authority and the truth of God's word is what holds our lives together. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and what? The truth shall set you free. Let's be honest. The truth is not always easy to hear, right? If you, if, like if, if I had something in my beard, Right now, I wouldn't know, but you said something to me. I don't want to hear that, but it's true. Maybe some of you are looking at your credit card statement and you're understanding the amount of interest that you pay in your credit card. That's true, but it's not always easy to look at. Sometimes the truth that the calories in that cheeseburger that you're eating are a little bit too much. The truth is not easy to swallow. See what I did there? (laughs) Cheeseburger. See that? That was a joke. (laughs) See, the truth, those types of truths can be challenging and they can be difficult to look at. But the truth, Jesus, the John 14, 6 truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That that truth, Jesus, is, is reconciling us and he is fixing us and he is easy to come to because he is constantly redeeming us. The belt of truth holds things in our lives together. So I want to ask the question, what? is holding your life together today? What is it that's in your life that's holding everything together or seems like it's holding everything together? Is it it your career? Is it your money? Is it your talent? Is it your family that kind of keeps things together intact? And those things in and of themselves are not bad. But if they are the things that are holding us together, we are not doing spiritual warfare properly. You with me? Rather... The belt of truth, the authority and the truth of God's word, God's scripture, the application of the word of God wrapped around all of those things in our lives are what holds everything together. So rather than your career holding you together, maybe you should wrap the word around your career, around your life so that you can function properly. That's what Jesus, that's what God wants us to understand today is that you must have the truth of the application of the word of God. When you read scripture, you have to give it authority over your life so that it can hold everything together. And maybe you're here today and you you feel like that guy with his pants all the way down around his, his ankles. Maybe you're that person that's walking like this and you're trying to figure things out and you feel like you're stumbling, you may be called to run, you may be called to do something in your life, and your pants are way down, and you have no idea because you have no belt, there's no truth holding things together. I'm speaking spiritually here today. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't have things together. Things feel like they're falling apart. I don't know what it's like to have all of this 
held in place. My life doesn't feel like it's intact. That's where Jesus comes in. That's the goodness of Jesus, is that he is the truth. And then you can apply himself and his word to your life to pick yourself up. And so you can run the race that God has called you to run. Spiritually speaking, we must put on the belt of truth. You with me? Amen. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. It fights the frontal attacks. Verse 14 says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. We have to be intentional about putting on our armor. Amen? The breastplate was a central part of the Roman soldier's armor. It it provided protection for the torso, which provided the heart. It protected the heart, the lungs, and, and so on. With the breastplate in place, a soldier would be, without it, it, the soldier would be asking for death. One blow to this region for a Roman soldier would mean infection. It would mean death for sure. But with it in place, those same attacks that would be not that great just glance off of the breastplate. And so it's the same thing. With Christians, righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, counters the enemy's weapon of diminished standards. Let me explain that to you today, because I believe this is vitally important for us to understand as a church, as a body, as a, as a family. Diminished standards is what the enemy is all about. Satan is all about taking God's truth and diminishing it just a little bit. When God says, be holy, for I am holy, We understand that in and of ourselves, we cannot be holy because we have sinned. We are fallen. We we live in a fallen state. That's why the perfect son, Jesus, came in our place to make us holy. Understand that we cannot be holy away from Jesus. But what Satan does, he says, oh, God said be righteous, be holy. Don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about that relationship right there. Don't, that's just a little white lie. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that little thing. That, you could just sweep that under a rug. It'll go away. Diminished standards. God's standard is here. Satan wants to bring you down here. And it's not by blatant spiritual attacks. It's by little tiny things in our lives that we must be aware of by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call spiritual warfare. God saying one thing, Satan saying another, and us making the decision to do the right thing. You with me? That is spiritual warfare. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I love this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We must learn to say no. Look at somebody say, just say no. It's okay, come on, join me. Just say no. There are things that us as believers, we tolerate a little bit too much. And I'm not talking legalism. I'm not talking all of that stuff. I'm saying there are things that we must be aware of, keenly aware of, in this life, in order to not be taken down by the enemy. I'll give you an example. How many times have you heard of two married people, not to each other, but they work, to each, they work together, they work together every single day, maybe they go out to lunch, they start sharing things with each other, they start being confident with each other, trusting each other when we all know that that's not who God called you to be intimate with. You start sharing secrets about your spouse 
And what happens next? You go down the road of adultery. You go down the road of that affair. How often do we see this happen in our society? We see it all the time, all too often. Why? It simply could have been avoided by the believer saying, nope, I respect you. You're my coworker, and I'm going to keep it at that. Not entertain the little things that Satan says you may Get a little taste of this. You may get a little taste of that. You may flirt with this. You may flirt with that. I want to tell you today, God has called us to be righteous. Not perfect, but righteous. How do we do that? We put on the breastplate of righteousness. See, there is a grace that saves us. And there is a grace that protects us. You need to understand this today. We are called, we are saved by grace through faith. That is the grace that saves us. The grace that protects us is called the breastplate of righteousness. Without the breastplate of righteousness, we are susceptible and we are open to any attack that may uh, injure our most vital parts. What are our most vital parts? Our heart, our integrity, our honor, our prayer life, our worship, our family. Without the breastplate of righteousness, hear me today, you are susceptible to the enemy's attacks. And I'm not here to tell you to scare you into running to church. I'm here to tell you that God has offered this armor to us so that we can be protected in this life. You with me? God is a God that doesn't just save us and leave us. He's a God that saves us and equips us and gives us the tools and the armor necessary to fight the battle that you may not even know you're in. You with me? I love this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4.23. My question today is how protected are the most vital parts of your life? How protected is, is your heart? Have you put on the breastplate of righteousness to, to, to stop those attacks that come against your heart, that come against your integrity? I want you to know those things are important to God. He hasn't left you. He wants you to know that he It cares about your heart being protected, your integrity, your mind, all of those things being protected because it matters to God. And what happens when we put on the breastplate of righteousness is when the enemy pulls back to launch that arrow at us, it hits us and it falls off because God's armor is already in place. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus and the armor that he has given us is that it hits us. What otherwise would have killed us simply glances off. It just it just falls to the side because God has protected us. You with me? Number three, the shoes of the gospel of peace. This is footing for moving forward and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The sandals of the Roman soldiers were often fitted with nails and armed with spikes in order for them to dig in and move forward because they would often go over rough terrain. Anybody hike? Are there any hikers here? Look, I got my my sexy cowboy boots on today. And they're real cowboy boots. I don't play. They come all the way up to my knee almost. Don't don't mess with me and my boots. Uh, What? I would never take these hiking. Why? Because they're not proper shoes for hiking in. These are are slick. They're They're not supportive. I would fall if I tried to hike. Understand that there are certain footwear that we must have in certain applications. If you play football, you put on cleats. If you play baseball, cleats, basketball, you put on basketball shoes. There are certain footwear uh, items that we need to understand that we need to put on our feet in order to do and play and, and become successful in the areas of our life. The best offense 
the best defense is what? A good offense. How do we stand strong? We take the gospel of peace. We take God being God on the offense and offering and letting people know that he offers salvation and healing and forgiveness to all who accept him. That is the best offense The best defense is the best offense. And what are we supposed to be fitted with? The gospel on our feet. The weapon of the gospel of peace counters the enemy's weapon of defeatism. Look, I'm sick and tired. Listen to me today. I'm sick and tired of the church complaining that we're defeated. I'm sick and tired of hearing people say that, oh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. This is going on. This is going on. This party says this. This party says that. This president is this. This person is that. We hate each other and we're divided. I'm so sick of that because what God has fitted us with is the gospel of peace in our feet. We have the most strong artillery in any battle ever. You know what that is? The gospel of Jesus. We have a unifying power that we carry with us. Everywhere that we go, we have the message of the salvation and the saving power of Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not countering men, counting sins, man's, sorry, not counting men's sins against them. That's good news. Anybody grateful that God doesn't count our sins against us? If he did, I'd be in trouble. The second part of that, it says, and he has committed us. That's the church. That's us. To this, he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. God has given us the message, the ministry of reconciliation. We have the power to bring the world together. Did you know that? Did you know that? We don't have to sit here and complain about how things are broken out there. We have the fixer in our hands. We have the one that heals things in our hands. He is in our hearts and in our hands. I love Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Spiritually speaking, what do your feet look like today? I want you to go ahead and look at your feet. Look at them. Go ahead. There's fungus. There's all sorts of ingrown toenails. Feet are disgusting, I'm going to be honest with you. But spiritually speaking, what do your feet look like? What do your feet look like? You know, it's said of the Civil War, um, in some of the, uh, the letters and the things that, that you read throughout history, um, is that they commissioned the women to overproduce socks. Did you know this? In the Civil War, especially in the, in the South, because there's swamps and all these other things, they over-commissioned women. women. Women were at home knitting, making what? Socks. And if you read these letters from some of the soldiers, they would complain that they need more shirts, they need more pants, they need more hats and all this other stuff. But the one thing that they constantly received was socks. Why? Because they understood something. You must protect your feet. Your feet are so valuable in warfare. You ever seen Forrest Gump? Any Forrest Gump fans? Love me some Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, the moment they, that him and Bubba get to Vietnam, they meet Lieutenant Dan, right? And as they meet Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan comes out with a cigarette and all this stuff, and he starts, he starts barking at him and stuff. He says, the number one rule, protect your feet. Protect your feet. Change your socks at every stop. Why? Because if your feet 
are vulnerable, if your feet are rotting, if your feet are not in proper condition, you cannot march. If you cannot march, you cannot fight. And if you cannot fight, you cannot win the battle, which means that you cannot win the war. So what God is telling us today, spiritually speaking, we need to be ready to carry the message of Jesus everywhere that we go. We need to stop looking outside and complaining about how broken it is and telling the world that our God saves. We have the message, the ministry of reconciliation, and we have the power. We have what it takes in here. I want you to know that your feet are equipped to carry the gospel of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. That's good news. That's good news is that it's the most unifying. Come on up, guys. Come on, join me. The, the, the gospel of Jesus is the most unifying thing on this planet. I can't think of another thing. When people are divided by race, they're divided by culture, they're divided by politics, they're divided by this class and that class. All of this other stuff is nonsense compared to the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus says, you know what? I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care what sin you've committed. I don't care what political party you remain to, you remain faithful to. What the gospel of Jesus says is that you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Let's come together and bring the ministry of reconciliation to the world because God has called us. God has equipped us to take this message to those around us. And I want to ask you today, who in your life could you share this message with? Who could you invite to church? One of the most supernatural, spiritual things you could do on this this planet is invite somebody to church. It doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to present a a, a five-point message. None of that. All it takes is you saying, you know what? You're close to me. I love you. I care about you. Maybe you don't care about that person, but you know you want to see them saved. I love that God has equipped us in this spiritual battle to have the belt of truth wrapped around that holds everything together, to have the breastplate of righteousness that protects our most vital parts. And the best news of all is that we can counterattack the enemy by sharing the message of Jesus. That is the good news, is that God has equipped us to go out to our friends, to our neighbors. So I want to ask you today, is there somebody that you're thinking about? that maybe you could invite to church next week, that you could share the message of Jesus. Maybe if you're not comfortable, maybe you could call a friend over to come share. Whatever it looks like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. God is the one that's perfect and he brings us together. Amen? You with me? Awesome. Understand that the Roman marching, they were so unified in their marching that people, the other, the people that where they went into the towns, they would be so afraid of their marching and just their, their unity. And I want you to know today that, that Satan is afraid of our unity. The enemy is afraid when we come together and we put aside our differences and we put aside all of the things that I talked about before. Who knows what, what we could accomplish as the body of Christ? As the people of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, taking this message, as we come together and we unify brother and sister, who knows what we could accomplish in this world? I don't believe the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I believe that God is still saving people. I believe that Jesus is still moving, that the Holy Spirit is still speaking to people, that God can captivate our hearts and heal our hearts and heal our minds. That's the good news of Jesus. Would you close your eyes with me today? 
I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I've never truly invited Jesus into my life. I've never made him the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to tell you today that that's the greatest decision that you could ever make. Is ask Jesus into your heart. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. And I want to tell you today that if you feel lost, you feel broken, you feel confused, and you need the truth in your life, Jesus is right there waiting for you to say yes to him. He's already done the work on Calvary. All it takes is you to say yes to him. So with everybody's eyes closed, if you're here today, you say, you know what? I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to invite him into my life. Just go ahead and slip up your hand right where you're at. Slip up your hand. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Everybody pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm broken and I need you in my life. Come into my heart and make me new and fill me with your spirit today. In Jesus name. Amen. If you're here today and you know Jesus, but you need to be equipped with this stuff that we're talking about you need the belt of truth you need the breastplate of righteousness and you need the shoes of the gospel of peace on your feet can i pray for you today i want to pray for each and every one of you father right now in jesus name god i ask that you would equip us right now in this moment let us realize that we are in a spiritual war that we are in a spiritual battle god that you have called us to fight because you trust us with this God, I pray right now that the truth would be wrapped around our lives and hold us together so tightly. God, that we would be able to every single day wake up and put on that breastplate of righteousness, God, that would protect us from the snares of the enemy, the shots of the enemy being fired at us. Give us the wisdom, God, to say no to the things of the enemy. God, and I pray that you would just equip us with this message to go out and to share the good news with those around us. Lord, you are so good. We bless you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Everybody said amen.